Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. This is the climax. This is where it all happens. Abraham's story comes to the point where everything is on the line. And how does he react? It's a really amazing story. And every time I get into it, especially since I've studied the previous story, this one is all more powerful to me. And I will try to display that this morning to you. Uh, I was talking to Brandy. There's really three different ways you can... She's like, you know, there's three different ways you can, you can preach this sermon. And uh, she blurted them out. And I said, slow down so I can write them down. I did that mentally. She didn't know I did that. But I stole a bunch of her points and put them in here. So uh, she was my sermon helper this week. So um, Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. We'll go there. It says... Now, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called out. Yes, he replied. Here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son, Isaac, and then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. The boy and I will travel a little further, and we will worship there, and then we will come right back. Titled this first section, Go in Faith. Go in Faith. Now, Abraham did not hesitate when God called him. You saw this the very first time when he, he enters in the scene in Genesis that he says, Abraham, he's like, here I am. Go to a place I will tell you about. Okay. All right. Again, we see as he, God says, Abraham. And it says right at the beginning that God was testing Abraham. He says, Abraham, yes, here I am. He did not hesitate, but he was ready to answer the Lord. That means he was in communion with God. That means he was on and in step with the Lord. So just like he did when he was first called to go to the promised land, I also find it interesting that God says, take your only son. We know from the stories previous that he had Ishmael as well, but this is the son of the promise, and God was declaring that the promise was only going to come through Isaac. We also know, uh, let's see, however, we see the, the child of the promise here in Isaac, and God called Abraham to sacrifice his child of the promise. Now, this is a pretty intense story. I am going to give you this promise through one child, and then I'm going to ask that child back of you. Can you do that? Are you willing to do that? And here we go. He doesn't even hesitate. Notice Abraham's response. He gets up early the next morning. Do you get up early when you're uh, loathing something? I don't. You usually sleep in, you wait, you stall, and you, you spend the last moments you can with Isaac. But Abraham was so convinced that God had the power over death that he reasoned that he's going to bring him back from the life or there's going to be something that he's going to intervene to get there. So again, we see Abraham moving to a destination 
that is unknown to him. He doesn't know where he's going. He's go to a mountain that I will show you. So it's, it's a little bit of a reminder. Remember when you moved down here, Abraham, how I was with you. Remember that I will be with you even now in this hard decision. Um, he didn't know. God knew the place where it was, and he was going to show him. Now we're going to dig deeper into their faith. How does Abraham respond when God, when God calls him? Whoa, when God calls him. He is ready to move in faith, isn't he? He's ready to get up and move. It's worth mentioning the Hebrew definition of faith does not differentiate between words and action. Faith is the combination of both words and action. And so when we look at this, Abraham didn't assume that he was going to say, oh, yeah, I believe in you, God, and then... Um, how am I going to put that into action? No, it was, I believe in you, God. This is how I'm going to show you. I will go when you say go. In 1 John 3, 16 and through 18, it says, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees his brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. You can't just say it, but it's got to be by words and deeds. We see from this passage that love is built on the same premise. If we do not act sacrificially, we do not love our neighbor or our brothers, or sisters, or dare I say, our spouses. Right? Love requires sacrificial action. How does that set the example first? First for the believer, then for the unbeliever. So if we want our unbelieving husband or wife to know that we love them, we need to sacrifice for them. In 1 John 3, 13, 35, says you love, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So if we can't love one another in the church, how can we set that example for those outside of the church? Right? That's what that passage says. That's what the passage before says. It's pretty much what 1 John says. If we can't love one another in the church, how can we love those outside the church? It's nearly impossible. How do we know that we love God? We love, we know, they know that we love God because we obey his commandments. How does God know that we love him? Because we obey. We listen, and then we obey. We put it into action. That is faith. As we see here with Abraham, he is willing to put his faith in the Lord into action. The Lord is going to put his words to the test to see if he is willing to move forward in obedience. That's one of Walt Disney's favorite sayings was, keep moving forward. Okay, That's one thing that we can take um, from Walt. He went through some major persecution in, um, just in his career, but he kept moving forward. you got to keep moving forward, little by little, bit by bit. And don't look back, keep moving forward. Just like we are with Christ, our destination is heaven, right? 
That's before us. We can't look back at what we have. What happens to those that look back? At least we find out with Lot's wife, you turn to pillars of salt, right? You, there's nothing back there for us. We want to keep moving forward. Okay, so what about us? Where's the Lord putting us to the test as a church? Where can we keep moving forward? What is the next step for us? We do the food pantry. What else could we do to serve the, this community? I, um, I've been having a heart for men's and women's Bible study. How are we going to put that into practice? When can we do that? What are we willing to sacrifice so we can get that done? All right? Maybe it's bringing back Sunday school so we can get that happening. I don't know. And need, something needs to be done. I'm praying about that hard. The Lord is going to put his, the Lord is going to put his words to the test to see if he oh, I'm missed a section there. So, where is the Lord putting each one of us to the test? Where is he testing you? What are you what do you have in your life that you hang on to that you need to let the Lord be in control of? It can be something simple that he's convicting you on at the time. It can be something very, very difficult. Something simple that, was, that the Lord is working on in my life that I've given as an example before is playing baseball or softball for the Lord. He says, why don't you give me the softball game? And I said, how about I do it next game? He said, no, let's do it this game. Uh, can I think about it? You know what the answer to can I think about it is? Oh, for four and three errors. That's what it is. Um, I don't didn't make very many errors, and I definitely hardly ever went oh for four. I did that about oh probably probably about five times when I was in the that was it. And the Lord said, "Give me baseball." Well, what a, that was easy for me to get. It was a good example for me to understand. The next, the big one for me. Is, why don't you give me my family? Why don't you give me your family? Well, that's a big deal for me, but one in some ways it's easier to give to me because I know I can't control them anyway. And so, yeah, <laughs> case in point, right? Uh, but who's going to be better working on um, my boys and girls than the Lord? Who's going to be better working on my life and my wife's life so I, we can lead them than the Lord. Nobody. So in a sense, that's a lot easier. It's, it's, in, the, it's in the difficult times when something goes wrong. Maybe it's when um, uh, something goes wrong at school or, or something outside of my control there um, that those things go in the test. And so maybe it's those little things that are the test from the Lord, just like Abraham's being the test. So my question to you again is where is the Lord putting you to the test? We all have trials. We all have difficulties. We all have decisions to make, either for to walk closer to the Lord or against walking away from the Lord. What are we going to choose? So, so what are some of the things that can help you get ready for the test. Okay? It's like you hear the old saying, 
uh, I can remember that, but I can't remember what I had for breakfast in the morning or something to that effect. You know, we always, we always say that. Or I can't remember what I had for breakfast last week. Well, I think a lot of times that some, or applies to sermons. It applies to what we read in the Bible. Do we remember what we had for breakfast last week? I'm lucky because uh, I had banana bread and cereal um, because I was lucky enough to get some from Miss Debbie from the bananas from the, that were going bad there. So that was fun, and they were, it was very delicious. Now, does it matter that I remember what I had for breakfast? No, it's a foundation of nourishment that allows me to continue on throughout my day and throughout the week and throughout my year and allows me to be healthy, right? Well, same with our spiritual health. When we get into God's word, we get into there and we can find that, that the Lord has spiritual health. We may not need it for today, but when our faith is tested, I'm going to remember that I can go back to Genesis chapter 22 and remember how Abraham's faith was tested. When his family is in shambles, I can look at his example in the Bible and see that my family's not near as bad as his was, and God got him through it, right? There's different examples all the way through the Bible. And a lot of times it deals with the hero, in a sense, of Abraham or whoever it may be, humbling themselves and turning to the Lord for their help. Are you willing to do that? How do we humble ourselves on a daily basis? Study God's word. We need to study God's word on a daily basis to know God and to build up a relationship with him so we can see how faithful he is to us so we can be that faithful to other people. Well, you don't know what I'm going through right now, pastor. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I've dealt with. I don't. You're right. But God does, doesn't he? And he's put you in an example. He's put in you in this time for such a time as this. Maybe you are the chance at that person's salvation. Maybe you are that chance for, for that person to break the pattern of what he has. But you don't know that unless you know God's word. We talked about this on, I'm getting on a soapbox now, so sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm charged up. We talked about this Thursday night, as I said in the, in the call to worship. We listed out 16 uh, priorities that were, I call them the realities. This is what I want to do with my time of day. We came up with uh, different things like video games. We came up with uh, going to church, family, friends, um, snacks, sleeping. And you'd be surprised, sleeping made it pretty far deep into the tournament, right? Um, on many. Some of them were like, oh, sleep, I can't even take naps. So there's, there's definitely a mixture there. Um, friends, family, social media, all these things. We had 16 different priorities, some of them. Chores, chores lost out real quick, right? Uh, that, that is not a, in your kid's priority at all. Um, but there were some other things that, that made it um, pretty far, and usually it was either between church and friends, church and social media, church and something like that, right? And generally, they were honest enough to put the other thing before church most of the time. Some of them were legitimately church. And why church? Because you can bundle your friends with studying God's word together, right? So they enjoy the fun and games. 
They enjoy the fellowship that they have, and they also will take Jesus' relationship with Jesus, and they'll lump that in there too. And I said, now let's look at your priorities as your ideal. As we're running out of time, your ideal should be Jesus Christ. And notice, he didn't even make the list. How many times do we go through life and Jesus didn't even make the list? Folks, that's what reading your Bible is about. It's saying that, God, you are my priority, and I'm going to make sure you're on that list. Whether it's listening to the Bible on the way to work instead of listening to the radio. Maybe it's um, getting a devotional plan and going through that, which I haven't found you yet, but I'll get it. I'll look for it after church. Yes, I will. Yeah, quickly. So um, the second one is like it. It's daily prayer. Even if it's just a simple prayer, it's better than nothing. It can be improved on, right? But it's got to start somewhere. Daily prayer. It allows us to see us to see needs when they arise. So if you are in submission to the Lord, Lord, Allow me to see where I can make an impact in somebody's life. He will start revealing those places, and you will see those, and you can make a difference. What do those things look like? They look like annoyances. How come he always does this? How come she always does this? I hate it when they do this. We have an opportunity on how we are going to respond to that. Are we going to respond positively, or are we going to respond negatively? It is our choice. When we're submitting to the Lord in prayer, you better be ready to deal with some of the things that comes after it. Because when we pray, we are in an attitude of submission to the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is working on your heart, you better believe that he's going to work on you first before he works on that kid, that spouse, that best friend that enemy, right? And guess what? Enemies become less and less and less as you pray for them. You don't have enemies in your life. They might be your enemy, but you're not theirs. That's a big shift, right? Because you're not worried about the here and now and how they are hurting you. You're looking past the problem to the solution in Jesus Christ, and you're going to say, how can I show them the love of Jesus so they can get to heaven? That's a hard shift to make in your mind, isn't it? It's very hard, okay? Because I want to be selfish. I want to say, they're hurting me. They're hurting our family. How can I allow this to happen? Guess what? Jesus allowed it to happen all the way to the cross. One whip at a time didn't even open his mouth. If he can do it and suffer like that, then I can take a little ridicule from my neighbor from my so-called enemy, right? Does it make it any easier? Maybe a little bit, knowing that Christ has gone through it first, but it's changing that mentality to looking past the problem toward the solution. That's what makes it easier, Okay? They don't have a hold on you if you do that. Let me tell you, that is powerful. Okay? That's what prayer does. And then faith. Faith requires some risk or it's not faith. Right? Now, 
did what you just heard there. Shane just told us to go play the stock market because it requires risk. No, not foolish risk. Use risk in something that you know. Maybe you know the stock market well. Then you're not, it's not a foolish risk for you. I don't know the stock market that well. I do know relationships pretty well. And I know how far I can push a kid um, in my silliness for them to think I'm weird enough that I might just come back. That's right. Because I've done this for 20 years. And I might run a few of them away. Trinity's like, amen to that. I'm running fast. They keep dragging me back, though. That's right. But I've learned how to be goofy over the times. And, uh, and I do, I, I'm goofy for the Lord, right? Because I will become even more undignified than this so that I don't get the glory, but the Lord Jesus Christ does. That's what David said. He was praising and worshiping God, right? Took five steps or seven steps. Um, sacrificed another bowl. Dude, that's a, lot of, that's a lot of cattle. I'm just saying, a lot. I'm sorry to all the dudettes out there. Sorry. Finally, notice the last sentence of this pa- passage of Abraham's faith. We will worship there, and we will come back. That's what he says to his servants. We will worship there, and we will come back. But God is going to provide the sacrifice, whether it's Isaac or whether it's something else, Isaac is either going to be reborn one way or the other. He is a symbol of Christ in the Old Testament. Faith is meaningless if there's no action. We can show the world Christ's love when we love one another with sacrificial action. Let's continue the story in verse 6. It says, So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife as The two of them walked on together. Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son. Abraham replied, we have the fire and the wood, the boy says, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. And then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood, and Abraham picked up the knife and to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, yes, Lord, here I am. Notice how it goes from the beginning of the story. It continues on. Abraham was ready and willing to listen. Live in faith. Active faith requires us to live out what we believe. Active faith requires us to live out what we believe. If we truly have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we should have active faith. What? Think about the opposite of that. If we don't have active faith, we don't live in Jesus Christ. Does that mean he rejects you? Not, not really, not necessarily. It means we need to get our act right. We need to get our faith and our priorities right. God was calling Abraham to worship him on the mountain. Verse 5, 
is the very first time we see the word worship in Scripture. Remember, Abraham and Isaac do not have the law to tell them how, when, and where to worship God. They are dependent on God to worship, and this alone is an act of faith. Okay, think about this. The law doesn't come to the next book of the Bible, and really doesn't come to the fifth book of the Bible. That's where you really get laid out in Deuteronomy, but you can see some of it in, um, in Exodus, right? But Abraham didn't have that. What he did, he's had a relationship with the Lord. He didn't need the law to follow the Lord in faith. He was commended by their faith, okay? When you look at the Bible, they're commended by their faith, not by following the law, not by following the rules. It was because of their faith, okay? So God was calling Abraham to sacrifice his one and only son, Does this sound familiar? Because God gave up his one and only son, Jesus Christ, so that we might have life. Right? We learned, uh, we were talking about the Trinity this week, and we had um, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? Three gods in one. It's kind of a difficult concept to understand, but it's important to see here because even before time began, Christ Jesus was already. The Holy Spirit was already. And as we come into this point, this is one of the reasons why it's because Christ Jesus is going to be the mediator, the sacrifice between God and man. And he is need to be separated from God so he could become the sacrifice for all. So he's God and man combined together so he can be the sacrifice for man to get us right with the Lord to get rid of sin. So the blood of Jesus covers up our sins. So notice we see the faith of Abraham as he was willing to follow through with the sacrifice of his son, knowing that God could either raise him from the dead or he would stop him in time. Either way, this requires enormous faith. And we're going to come back to this in a second. Praise God for his mercy for Abraham and praise God for his grace for us. We are like Abraham. We're spared from this tragedy of death and we are offered eternal life. God pours out his grace through his son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross to rescue us from our sin. And we have, when it comes down to it, we all have our own Isaac that needs to go on that altar, that we need to give up for the Lord. Maybe it's our career path. Maybe it's our family. Maybe it's our, um, our own pain can sometimes be our Isaac, and that's how we identify ourselves. Christ wants to be our identity. He deserves to be our identity, but he never says that really in Scripture until it gets to the end. We see that he is deserving of it, okay? Because God gives him all the authority. So since we know that, um, we can work back and understand that, yes, Christ does deserve that as well. So let us, let's call it one thing that comes between or that, that competes with God. What is that one thing that competes with God? What is that thing, that sin you're struggling with? Maybe it's the, um, 
Maybe it's a joy that you struggle with that you make more important than God. It can be either one of those things. So what is it that God is asking you to lay down on his altar? After all, he was willing to give us his son for our sins. It's a little thing that we can do to give back to him. What is something that has captivated your heart that needs to change? I would encourage you to write that down on your bulletin. So you have it there. What priorities from your life need to be adjusted to match what Jesus has for you? You want to be served? Maybe you need to set the example in serving. There's several, several that are dealing with that with husbands and wives right now in our congregation. Husbands, we need to set an example not only for our families, but to show that sacrificial action to our wives and to set the example for this neighborhood, right? And fellow believers, we need to serve our wives. What are two steps that you can put into practice to bring about that change? Now, if you're serving an unbelieving husband, then you as a believer, wife, need to set that example as well. That's not easy to do either because they just keep taking and taking and taking. But through your faith, the Bible says, in, I think it's 1 Corinthians, um, that you can bring an unbelieving husband to faith. What are you going to explain this? Who are you going to explain this to when you get home? I want to somebody that you can explain this to. What is a good summary statement that would explain this? I would encourage you to write it down. I need to do these two things to show my love for my coworker. I need to do these two things so I can show my love for my husband or, or I need to make this a priority in my life and these things I'm going to work on. Because when you put it down, you write it in words and you speak it, there's a greater chance that it's going to sink into your heart. That's why I asked for that application. That's why I asked you to write it down. And then you can share it with somebody when you get home. If you have the joy of having a believing husband or wife, you can have her with one another and work through that. Let's pray before we go on. Lord, we pray that you would be our priority in our life, that you would continue to work on us as we uh, get to the last section here. Amen. Faith is meaningless if there's no action. We can show the world Christ's love when we love one another with sacrificial action. Let's finish off the chapter 12 through 19. Do not lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not harm him in any way, for, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught, a, caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrifice it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yirah, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use the name as a proverbs. On the mountains of the Lord, I will be, it will be provided. 
Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from the heaven. This is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son. I swear by my own name, which is so interesting, I could write a total sermon just on that, that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number, like the stars in the sky and the sands in the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies, and through your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. Then they will return to the servants and travel back to Beersheba. They return to their servants and travel back to Beersheba, where Abraham continued to live. Okay? There's another little section after that that I'm not going to cover this week. I may cover it next week. It talks about a lot of the descendants after that. The blessings of faith. Now I will expand on that. I'm going to say the blessings of faith lead to life. God is a God of life. He chooses life every single time. Look at Jesus when he shows up at a funeral. The funeral stops. Because Jesus raises him from the dead. He does that like three times. He does it with Lazarus. He does it with a little boy, and he does it with himself. Right? Those are three things I threw in my think up right off the top of my head. Verse 12 points to Abraham's willingness to follow through with the sacrifice of his son. And we get back at it. I wonder how close heaven was to Abraham that day. We hear God's voice, don't we? Stop, don't lay a hand on the boy, but you just wonder if the angel of the Lord had his hand underneath of Abraham's as the knife was coming down to stop it because Abraham was going to follow through on the command that God gave him. The closer we are to the Lord, the more the Lord expects out of us. What does that mean? If you hear the voice of the Lord speaking to you, then you better follow through with what the Lord has said for you. Okay, the closer, the better you can hear him, the more he reveals himself to you, the more he has an expectation for you to follow through with your faith. Okay, the less you hear from God, the more grace you receive. But I think the less reward you'll have in heaven. That's just a personal opinion, but I could probably back that up pretty quickly with scripture. So Isaac could have easily overpowered his Father, you think of how old Abraham, he's over 100 years old. Isaac is in his prime of his youth, right? He could easily overpower his father, yet he allows his father to tie him. So there's faith that comes from Isaac just as much as it comes from Abraham. They both believed. I think this is a, a huge testimony to Isaac. And Yet he rested on his faith in his father and the Lord, and God came through, didn't he? And God, then God provides the sacrifice of the ram in the thorn book. At this point, God fulfills the promises of Abraham. What promises are you talking about? It talks about, in this same scripture, the Genesis 12 promise. If I'm going to be a blessing to you so you can be a blessing to others. That's in this passage as well. I'm going to multiply your descendants beyond number. That's in this passage as well. I'm going to give you this land. 
by allowing you to conquer cities and their enemies. That's Genesis chapter 13 promise. They're all, all the big three that he promised him comes culmination because of what he's willing to follow through in Isaac's sacrifice. Do you see that? That's like, whoa. I hadn't necessarily seen all that in that passage in one little sentence. It's all right there. It's all fulfilled. Because you're willing to give up the thing that you love the most, I'm willing to give it back to you so you can have the promises of Christ because you're serving me. Do you see that? A loving God is a God that I'm willing to serve because he's willing to give me back the blessings that I have received from him so I can serve him even better. You see this in the parables of Jesus all the time. To these five towns, I give you five more. And with those five, I'm going to give you five cities. I'm going to give you ten cities. He says that two different times. Yahweh Yira, which means the Lord will provide. God provides for Abraham and Isaac. Where are the doubts creeping in that God is not big enough? God's not big enough for my marriage, pastor. God's not big enough for my relationship, pastor. God's not big enough for me to continue at my job, pastor. God will provide. Well, you better heap on those patients because, man, I need them. <laughs> right? But that's because we're looking at the problem. we got to look at the solution. How is Jesus going to come into your work and allow you to have patience so you can win that brother or sister for Jesus Christ? They're not my brother or sister. They're my enemy. And I'll say, yet, yet, Christ is calling that person just as strong as he's calling you to be in relationship with them. God provides for Abraham and Isaac. Where are the doubts creeping in? How can he get me through this? Will he be able to provide for me? Pastor, I've been waiting for a long time. First, I'm going to ask you this. What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for your solution or for God's solution? Are you waiting for the Lord to change his mind because you don't like the answer that you keep receiving? Well, guess what? God's a lot more persistent than you are. I know that for a fact. Are you waiting for the world to change? Well, as soon as they change, then I'll change. As soon as they make steps toward this, then I'll change. I'll make steps toward them. That's not how it works. God calls us to move forward. That's faith. We move forward, and then we see God act. Okay? Are you willing to move forward? Are you waiting passively? I think this is the biggest regret that I had between the transition from Pastor Dave to me. As God told me, it's going to be about a year. And I waited passively. And it's one of the biggest things that I think I, think I need to confess as a pastor that I wasn't active in pushing this church forward even then. But I was sitting there passively waiting. God does not bless passive waiters. I can guarantee that right now. He wants us to be active, praying, walking with him, pushing forward. It is not easy when the weight keeps getting built up as you walk up a hill. And the sled keeps moving that weight onto your shoulders farther and farther. It doesn't work that way. Lord, you can tell him that all you want, but he can say, Oh, yeah? <laughs> you can carry a lot more than what you think you can, son. Keep going. Keep going. Is there a sin 
that needs to work on in your life. You need to self-evaluate. Is there something I need to clean up between God and me? Is there an obstacle that I need to pray over? Lord, remove this obstacle or allow me to see how to get around this. Or do I need to mature before I am put in the situation? All those threes can be obstacles of why you're not going. Here's some verses for the waiting, and we'll close with these. Psalms 37, 7 says, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. They make me do twice the work that they do. They're lazy. Well, guess what? Don't fret about it. Just keep doing what you're doing, right? God has got this. Psalms 27, 14, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever, wherever, wherever you may go. Well, that's a song. That's how I remember that one. That's, that's Joshua chapter 1, right? I think it's 9-ish, but I think it's, that's a different one than verse 9. But it says the same thing. Isaiah, or wait, Psalms 123.2. We keep looking to the Lord our God for his mercy, just as servants keep their eyes on their master, as a slave girl watches her mistress for the slightest signal. When the Lord signals, are you ready? Do you have your eyes on him as your master to move forward? When he gives you the go-ahead to talk to that grandchild about Jesus Christ, are you ready to move? Are you ready to move when God wants you to go to the next step? If your eyes are on the master, then you're ready to go, just like Abraham's eyes were on the master. Isaiah 30, 18, so the Lord, so the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. That is an interesting verse. The Lord is waiting on you as you wait. Let's read that again. The Lord must wait for you to come to him. He's waiting for you to drop to your knees in humility so he can work on your life. Do you see that? He's waiting for that one thing. What's that one thing you're holding back from God? When you let go of that and he is going to move mountains, you watch, you watch. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. Wow, what a powerful verse. Faith requires action to prove that it is genuine. I will encourage you to move in obedience to and with Christ. Be ready in the waiting. Faith is meaningless if there's no action. We can show the world Christ's love when we love one another with sacrificial action. Will you read this with me? Can you put the disciple maker's prayer up there for me? It's in your bulletin too. If you have your bulletin, it's on the bottom. It says, Heavenly Father, thank you for giving me a disciple-making way of life in Christ Jesus. As I go through every part of this day, Help me to love you and to love the people who cross my path, starting with my family. Next one. Don't let me miss the adventures you are sending my way to live and to speak the good news about Jesus today. 
draw my heart to you and to specific people you want me to pull close for Jesus-like disciple-making friendships. Next. By your word and spirit, transform me into a follower of Jesus who loves you, who loves people, who makes disciples, who make more disciples. Add infinitum. In Jesus' name, amen. Folks, that prayer is a prayer of faith. If you are going to pray that prayer, you are declaring that Jesus is going to work in your life. And if you want him to work in your life, you better be ready to do some changing. What was the change thing? Change is good when... Change is always in your favor when you're walking with the Lord. Okay? The Lord is getting ready to do a mighty work here at White Rose. Let's continue to walk with him in prayer. Let's pray. Finish it off. Lord, we thank you for our time together. Lord, we pray for um, the treat channel that's coming up. We pray for the food pantry as we do this. Lord, we pray for your hand of protection to be on both those things, that you would watch over them. Lord, we give them back to you. They are your event. They are your pantry. Your hand of protection will be on them. Lord, you will convict those who are out to get um, each one of those ministries. Lord, we ask for your hand of protection that night as that day is celebrated as a death and destruction. Lord, we pray that we would be a beacon of light on the 31st, that we would be a light in the darkness, that we can show, excuse me, this community that Jesus Christ is the light of the world and that we want to show that light to this neighborhood. Guide and direct us in that. Lord, allow us to be bold. Allow us to serve. Allow us to be um, your servants as we come together. Guide and direct us. Lead us, protect us as we go. We ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.